Welcome to the Artist Interview Series. In this podcast, we feature interviews with the brightest musicians and music educators from around the world. Our goal is to provide meaningful conversations and insights into their creative process, to discover the inspiration behind the music, and to learn from the experiences of these talented musicians. Our host today is William Crawford, a Lilly Theatre Company drum instructor and associate producer. In this episode, we spend some time talking with award-winning composer, conductor, orchestrator, and educator, Cecil Vignier Abishek. So let's jump right in and get to know this week's inspirational artist. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Lilly Theatre Company Artist Interview. I have a very special guest. He is a teacher. He is a professor. He is a... Um, piano player, he's an organist, he does it all. <laughs> Please give a very warm welcome to Cecil Abishek. Wonderful to be here, William. Thank you. Of course, man. Yeah. Give a warm welcome, everything. So, so um, did you grow up in India? Um, how did you start your um, how did you start your little life at? So, uh... A major part of my life has been in India. So I grew up amidst my mom, my aunt, and my grandmother. And each of them, in particular, my mom has been very instrumental in raising me to be a good human being and a musician. So in India, I think this is something which most of most people might be aware by now, but we place equal emphasis upon academics as well as on extracurricular activities. So in my case, it was no different either. So uh, while my inclination was always towards music, because uh, I must credit music for being what I am as a human being, because if it was not for music, I probably would have been some sort of a barbarian, to be frank. Of course, my mom saved me, music saved me, so I had lots of people to thank. God saved me too, I must say. but anyway, all that flash forward today, I have a degree in engineering, a bachelor's degree in engineering, and a master's degree in scoring for film, television, and video games. I've worked on a few films, some commercials, composing and programming stuff and whatnot, as well as performing the piano and the flute, you know, either in live situations or studio while scoring for certain scenes and whatnot. And I might have won a few awards here and there. So... On the whole, I think I'm quite a bit of show and I'm very happy with the way, I'm reasonably happy, I should say, with where I am right now. But although there's lots and lots to be done, because uh, I must say the pandemic has set many of us quite a bit back in terms of not just a career prospects, but also financially too. And I'm no different either in that regard. So there's lots and lots of catching up to do in that regard. But thankfully, the catching up process has been a bit enjoyable. So I'm taking a few steps in my stride. So I dare say it's very good as of now. At the moment. Awesome. Yeah, seems like you're doing you're doing a lot for um, for yourself and everything. You're doing a lot of doing a lot of great things, especially with music and also engineering. Like, yeah, that's another. Another good accomplishment um, with um, just another 
Another bell in your pocket. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, what were you like as a student, like in school and stuff? Uh, pretty studious, I guess. I mean, I scored in my final year at school, I scored maybe a ten, uh, 91% in my my final assessments and everything. And I was in class with mathematics and music. So that kind of really shaped my career path ahead too, because music is a combination of mathematics and science to an extent too, right? Like Mozart has, the likes of Mozart have been illustrating from various centuries until this day onwards. So uh, I kind of, and I have a bit of perfect pitch myself too, and I can play songs mm. by ear. As a matter of fact, I started playing the piano at the age of three. So I had a bit of good ear for music and uh, a bit of grasping capacity for whatever teachers used to say. Uh, so, you know, I used to apply my various parts of concentration, you could say so, in terms of my studies, as well as equally in music. So. Uh, that helped me both in, in both ways of life. But eventually, though I had good degrees in music and engineering, I eventually chose the musical path. So what was, um, so I heard you were saying you were a perfect pitch. What's that like? Mm, pretty, you know, I really don't think too much about it to be, as a matter of fact. In fact, I did not even know what perfect pitch was until some people told me what perfect pitch is with a, technical explanation and everything. But I first discovered this, you know, when I was an organist in church. So the priest used to sing, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And this probably is an A flat. We can just check. Oh yeah, it's an A actually. Yeah. So this was an A. So uh, I used to catch up maybe with the difference of maybe a semitone or so. And then I used to refine myself, my, my oral capabilities. And then one person, an elderly person came to me and said, you have got a good ear. Have you got perfect pitch? I was like, what, what's perfect pitch? He laughed and he explained. And then he went on to proceed to say what's perfect pitch and absolute pitch and all the kind of stuff. And that, and my age at that particular moment was around nine or 10, if I remember correctly. So that's when I realized there's a whole new realm in terms of music theory and performance, and there can be a marvelous fusion of both over here, which with the proper mind and the proper thinking capacity. And people usually think there's lots of complicated stuff to this, but I really don't think so. Maybe sometimes because of teachers' teaching techniques, it sometimes turns out to be a bit complicated, and there's a, probably a lack of... Um, encouragement or enthusiasm made from the students and or the teachers and but sometimes when people are left on their own right they can accomplish lots and lots of things on their own so that's something which i found out for myself and well here i am today that's great yes uh, i heard it's a really good advantage with um perfect pitch it's i'm um, just hearing the notes and everything and just makes it a lot easier and stuff Gets a little, gets a little aggravating sometimes, but yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so I've heard you did your master's at Valencia, um, the um, Berkeley Valencia College. Um, they call it the study abroad and stuff. So um, what's that like in Valencia? 
it's a beautiful, beautiful country. The people are awesome. And the people and the students who were there, you know, they came from 30 different countries. So there was a whole cultural mix of people over there. And all of us bound together by one thing, namely music. In the beginning, I was pretty much at sea because that was the very first time I had actually traveled out of India. I was pretty much, you know, shielded as, and protected as a child because I was an only child to my mom. And, you know, but eventually I managed to convince her that I wanted to go abroad and all that. She relented, thankfully. And I went to Spain. I found my, it was a beautiful country to begin with. And the amount of talent over there, not just among the students, but the professors too. I particularly love the, you know, the orchestration classes and the mixing and mastering classes over there. I think these two classes really made the fundamental difference for me in terms of, you know, programming music for scores, especially orchestral programming. Earlier before I went to Berkeley, I used to think maybe scoring was something of the sort like play something on the keyboard and when you get it right and sync it to the picture, voila, it's done. But then you come to know there's a whole new world of sample libraries out there. You can do lots of things like tweaking time signatures and whatnot. And life is not all about improvisation because I was always good at improvisation even as a kid. So I thought maybe I should rely upon that. But then I realized, man, choosing your comfort zone and choosing to go into a bubble can do lots of harm for you, carrier prospects going Ahead. So you need to be part, be part of the systemic education, whatever the techniques that teach you, so that one day you can break the rules and create your own techniques. Well, that's what I did in terms of orchestration and mixing and mastering. And eventually, you know, I developed a mastering chain of my own, of course, using the software plugins because, you know, the hardware stuff is very expensive for me at the moment. But the software ones are really good. And orchestration-wise too, that again, my hearing capabilities have really helped me over here. So the likes of the orchestrations of John Williams, Karl Orff, Ludwig van Beethoven, and Hans Zimmer. So uh, many, many of them have really, really inspired me. So maybe sometimes when people can listen to my music, they often say there's a touch of these, the, these aforementioned composers whose names I just took over there. Of course, I might be bragging a little bit over here, I guess. Mm, but still, they are, my, they are my inspiration. And since the age of three, the likes of Yanni, A.R. Rahman, have to influence me in terms of, you know, fusing various genres of music and to create a whole, altogether whole new different sound, which is not alternative. And yet it sounds mainstream, even though it's a whole new different kind of sound. That really captivated me, and it still captivates me to this day. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm at the um, Boston. I'm at the Boston one. I've never been to the Valencia one, so it's great that you get to um, share with me and everyone about Valencia. I've heard it was a beautiful campus, and I've seen pictures of it and stuff. It's um, a lot. A lot of my friends. Awesome too. It is. A lot of my friends that go over there and stuff. So it's. It's wonderful. Yeah. So, what's it like in for you in the music industry currently? Yeah. So uh, that's a bit of a loaded answer because, but on the whole, it's been a very 
learning and reaching the experience, I should say. So my trace with the music in music industry began with education, as a matter of fact, you know, around 2010 or something like that, when I began informally teaching students, free of course, you know, people used to appear for examinations from these piano boards like the Trinity College and ABRSM and whatnot. So I began training the students. And in the process, I began to brush up my own music theory as well. So, uh, and then my mom bought me a core Kronos X synthesizer workstation. And that was really the part wherein my production levels went on to a whole new different zone. Mind you, at that particular juncture, I did not yet possess a MacBook Pro or something of that sort. So I was just using my synthesizer, my call to, you know, produce and this kind of things. So, uh, but anyway, all said and done, it's been a pretty good worthwhile journey in terms of my the music industry because these two equipments, right, they really form the backbone of you as a music producer and a composer before, and that is before the, the, stuff, the various other stuff such as the mastering chain or the audio interface, what kind of models you're using, all that comes into this, the picture. So uh, eventually I went to Berkeley and then I got in touch with Mr. Julius Parkian who composed for various Bollywood movies like uh, Tigers in the Hair, Boom 3, and recently there was this movie called 1983. I think he was nominated for a Filmfare Award for that. So he was very gracious enough to give me a chance. And if at all, I had the joy of seeing my name in the end, end credits over there as a music programmer and as an additional composer. I have every reason to thank Mr. Parkin for that. And uh, then this went on from 2017 to 2019. And then the pandemic struck. And by that time, I was already back in Hyderabad where I'm right now. And that was a, a very challenging period without going too much into the details. It was challenging in every way. The work prospects almost dried up. Financially, I was nearly broke. And yet, it took me every ounce of my determination to, you know, stick to music. Because there were times when I actually considered maybe, you know, retraining in terms of my engineering degree, because as I told you, I already have an engineering degree. Because the brain was really inclined towards that while the heart was saying, no, no, just wait it out and see. So eventually I thought, let me wait it out and see and use this time as an opportunity to brush up your music programming skills. So what I did was, in 2016, I was already in touch with the music production library called Velvet Green Music. So I was composing for uh, various cues. So they used to give me a cue, a, you know, a theme, and they used to give me di directions as to how long it should be and in this, how the music should sound in what zone and whatnot. So I used to make use of those cues, and I used to volunteer sometimes myself that I want to do this particular cue and that particular cue. So uh, that year, I ended up making maybe uh, 10 to 12 cues. And each cue took me one or two days in, on an average. And they range from various genres such as classical, hybrid orchestral, EDM. These are my primary genres at my week. But that particular period really improved my music programming skills. And I'm really grateful for that because 
from the subsequent years, from 2021 onwards, the results started to manifest themselves. So uh, the various clients eventually started coming in because I was using the work which I produced for Velvet Green Music as, uh, you know, as my demo reel because the productions and the mastering work done was pretty good in my in their opinion too, by the way. So uh, I I made a demo reel of the works which I done for Velvet Green Music and began submitting to various clients. And then they slowly started pouring in, the money started also coming, filling up and everything. And eventually by 2022, what happened was, well, I eventually received a nomination at the Hollywood Music and Media Awards, one for a composition called Honor of Those Who Died, which incidentally was composed for Velvet Free Music. And the other nomination was for, for Best Music in a Commercial, which happened to be for Shiseido, which I'd done in tandem with Ritz Hiraga, who was from Tokyo, Japan. So I'm very happy that I eventually chose music because I was almost inclined to, you know, put music on a break on the back burner and try something else, you know, as a salary job, profession, so to speak. But eventually I'm glad I did not do that. Good. Yeah, definitely. Um, is there like any like um, music we would like to check out, like in the movies and stuff? Oh, yeah. So there, are a few... mm-hmm. so there are a few movies which are composed for as an additional composer, though, mainly. So if you check out my INDB, there's, and by the way, the INDB profile, you know, the I have composed a song, as a matter of fact, for a Spanish animated movie called Palomita. This was way back when I was a student at Berkeley. This was a student project, as a matter of fact. But somehow, the soundtrack of this movie, there were five composers in total. And I was tasked with, you know, writing, producing, mixing, mastering the song. And the vocals were done by a very talented colleague called Salia Wong. She was, she did the vocals for that particular song. But anyway, the song was written in a gibberish kind of a language where I provided English subtitles to it. And the director really loved it. And he chose to retain the song exactly as it was in the demo. Maybe but with the exception of we had shortened up, shortened it up to one minute. So that was done. And my various, my four other colleagues too contributed to various aspects of the soundtrack. And it turns out it won plenty of awards in terms of best music at various film festivals in Spain. So that's that for the music composing part. And I've also composed for uh, three other commercials, and all three of them are, you know, from Japanese commercials. One is, of course, for Nico. The other is for Shiseido Revital, and there's another third one which I've just completed some a few days back, last week to be precise. So uh, it's for a breakfast commercial, but each and every one of them has been absolute fun to work with, you know, right from the conception stuff to the mastering stage. It's been a dream run to go through the whole process. And when the client says approved, there's no other greater joy one composer can team out of it. So uh, all in all, I've also done work as an additional composer, as an assistant composer 
to Mr. Julius Parkin, who I mentioned before, upon Bollywood movies such as Tiger Zinda Hai, Bharat, Saira Narsimhareddy, and Houseful Four. So uh, my work over here ranged as an additional composer to orchestrator, and I also used to play the flute and the piano wherever appropriate. So this was, this is a pretty, I think I'm talking a bit too much over here, but this is a pretty lengthy summary of my, <laughs> of my music, my musical journey and my association with the music industry. That's, that's wonderful. I, I like um, just a lot of stuff with the movies and music and everything. Just definitely, we give a lot of credit to you and everything, just writing everything down and putting it out and doing all of your efforts with the movies and everything. Trying to make the movies with the music and everything. Like music is a very important thing with movies and you've done it all and everything. So yeah, thank you for um, doing that. Such a big pleasure to, yeah, just listen to wonderful orchestrated music and movies. Just great thing. That's awesome. Um, so tell us your um, history about the instruments you play. Like, what is, how did you get to playing your instruments and stuff? So my music has been in my family. So I got it from my grandfather, who used to play the veda and the... Uh, he had an inclination for stringed instruments, and my uncle, he had an inclination towards percussive instruments. So uh, I was around three years old when I first started playing the keyboard and the piano. So my mom somehow found me playing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star on a very toy piano using those numbers, no, one, one, five, five, six, six, five. Somehow she said I had managed to figure out those numbers and the frequencies on my own and had correlated them in such a way. Because I think any kid can be able to do that. When kids are left on their own, right? They can, they can achieve things which adults usually don't think they're capable of. So sometimes this worked in people's lives who I know personally too, and it's in my case as well. So. A twinkle, twinkle, little star. My mom heard it, and that was a very toy piano. And she was, you know, very happy and very, you know, surprised, amazed at it. And but then she realized I too was in inclined to towards music, like my grandfather. And she bought me a bigger piano within two days. I mean, not exactly a piano, but you know, a keyboard kind of thing. I graduated from one octave to maybe two and a half octaves that particular day. So. Uh, and then eventually went up three octaves and five octaves. But, and then finally it was, and with the piano interspersed in between two. And uh, meanwhile, it was not just at home. The, I, the priest, you know, the parish priest at a particular church where, to where I used to go, he came home and saw me playing. And the, you know, even though I was pretty young at the time, he suggested that I actually begin playing for mass and lead the choir with, you know, upon the organ. So I said, yes. And uh, I began doing, doing that. And that was when I discovered about my oral capabilities too. And eventually I realized we, there's something more to this to life. And also, you know, you want to graduate from one level to the other and then the other. And then someone told me there are also music exams too. And you also need to learn to read music notations. 
Right now you're just playing, you know, raw in a raw kind of a manner without any technical knowledge and so on and so forth. And then began at the age of nine, my studies in, you know, my piano studies, and I began appearing for grades and with the Trinity College affiliated board. And those people used to come to India and to my city, you know, on a bi-yearly or tri-yearly basis, thrice a year. And I used to appear for these exams. And uh, eventually, and the piano is the only instrument wherein I happen to gain a licensure diploma in piano performance. But the piano apart, I also play the flute, the drum, a bit of guitar, percussion, and I do a bit of singing too. So uh, I do not have a formal qualification in these uh, instruments. However, the flute, somehow the director of a particular movie, Bharat, I performed the demo for a particular sequence and the director happened to be impressed by that flute playing, so he suggested that why not use the very same samples and re-record it using the same instrument, the same musician. So uh, I was very excited and very and said, sure, sure, why not? And then that became something of a full-time thing too, playing the flute. So the flute I'm talking about is the Bansuri, you know, the Indian bamboo flute played by the likes of Hari Prasad Chaurasi and other legendary people from India. So. Uh, that's the kind of flute I play over here. It's very easy to pick up. The only technique is, you know, to pick up is the blowing thing. And once you pick up how to blow through the flute, the rest of it comes automatically to you. The same case was with me. Once I discovered the blowing techniques, the rest of them came automatically to you too. So all in all, I consider myself a pianist, a flutist, a vocalist, and a composer for sure. Nice. Yeah, you're doing doing a lot. You're doing, yeah, flute, piano. You said you were an organist and you were a um, vocalist, composer. Like, just, <laughs> we're not worthy. <laughs> you just, I think you got I'm it just all. Talking a bit, I think I'm talking a lot over here, I guess. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, just um, when you were saying perfect pitch and stuff, um, that's, it comes easy with um, especially piano because you can hear the notes and just makes it a lot easier. Just perfect pitch is like a big thing while you're it's 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 good. Very very wonderful. <laughs> so um yeah, you worked on our um so um I was talking to Lily, um, our CEO, and she was saying you worked with one of our plays. Yes, I did. So, uh, um, yeah. So the play was called, uh, you know, We Are the Mass Incarcerators, I believe. And Lily and I had discussed about it during our very first interview, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, my my first interview, actually I interviewed as a, as a teacher purely because I wanted to teach piano and keyboard. And then one thing led to another. It was a wonderful interview, which I had over there. And then we began talking about other things. And eventually we came to the subject about a particular play, a theatrical play. We are the most incarcerated. So uh, I volunteered saying that maybe I might, I would like to help out with the title theme and so on and so forth. And then Lily shared the script of the play. 
and she had already given me an overview of what the day was about. And uh, I knew immediately that it was going to be very powerful because that what's going on in the play is very much happening in the real world as we speak right now, is the test. So uh, the, the, the horrible happens, of, the horrible forms of abuse taking place and occurring maybe it's drugs or you know whatever kind of abuse i read the script too and immediately the wheels in my head started churning and the pain and everything discussed eventually it drove me to to uh, arrange a particular rendition of days of our lives so the days of our lives which was suggested by lily herself so we wanted the idea was to make this song a one-minute version, but to make it sound different and dark and maybe with the, you know, with an eerie kind of a rendition over here. Because you're talking as though everything's over here, everything's wonderful and whatnot, but something, somewhere, some sort of a darkness is lurking behind us. So the days of our life seem to be, you know, a perfect selection for this. And we arranged it. The whole process, by the way, took just four hours because, you know, there was plenty of creative stimulation in this particular play. It took me just four hours right from the arrangement to the mastering stage. And I believe it was approved the very next day by Lily. And so uh, I'm very happy to have been part of this project. And I hope it does wonders. And it's, use, it's I hope it's useful to the play and it does leave a mark over there as well. That's wonderful, yeah. Um... Our plays are pretty interesting. I think I did. I did one part in the play and it's just very, very dark and dramatic and all that stuff. It's very, it's got to have your emotions in it and stuff. And it certainly does. So especially with music, if you write music, same thing. You got to have the, the the darkness, the, the E, the scary. Uh, so yeah, this, um, like I was saying, music is an emotion too. So, <laughs> so yeah. So let's um, let's go to one of your um videos. Um, would you like to talk about um the first one? My videos. Uh huh. Maybe how about Mavericks work? Yeah, about the work. So uh, this one was my final project for. Berkeley College of Music, my, master, my my final project at my master's level. So it was recorded at the Air Studios London, and it was performed by a whole 50-piece orchestra. And uh, I was really determined to, you know, make the very best use out of it, not just in grabbing that epic sound, but I also wanted to sample some few strings at the very end section as well. So the sound is quite, you know, a bit Zimmerian, in terms of that, it's also in D minor, and uh, there's a you know tempo change between 90 BPM to 120 and back to 90. So it was inspired by my mom's struggles in life, the various sacrifices she had made for me. You know, she's the reason that you know I'm able to stand on my two feet as a. If there's any decency as a human being left in me, it's all thanks to her. She's the reason I'm I'm actually even alive today. So I wrote this song as a testament to my mother's sacrifices. The whole composition and orchestration thing was done in one day. 
So uh, maybe we can listen to it, I guess, and maybe let the listener decide if it's good or not. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we're going to um, put out the video. Um, hope you all enjoy. All right, we're back. Um, wonderful video you made about your work and definitely, yeah, we were just um, awesome with um, writing music for the world and for movies and to we get to listen to your wonderful orchestration. And also just like you were saying earlier about your mom having the reason for you to um, be who you are and everything. And then just having a whole family of musicians definitely helps you out with your journey and everything like I'm just yes. having your whole life whole life about music it's just it, it definitely makes it a lot easier and everything 
so yeah great video um that's um wonderful video about work and about just music and everything so awesome so let's go to your teaching um so what do you what do you usually teach when you teach so i primarily teach the piano and additionally i also teach music theory and music production theory. but it's piano which i mostly teach nowadays both in online as well as in person so uh my students range from age of seven to the late 40s and sometimes it's sometimes in the late 50s and 60s as well but they are very rare it's usually range from seven to 40 and it's a piano and now i have always been determined to be a good teacher because my mom and my aunt they were teachers too not music teachers but they taught social studies english and commerce in high school and college so that was another way wherein i wanted to live up to them and i chose music to you know you know even to make my mom and my aunt proud and so so to speak so uh, i began teaching in an inform as i mentioned earlier i began teaching students in an informal capacity mainly for the initial graders who were appearing for piano examinations and that began and eventually grew from initial grades to the intermediate grades which is grade 5 and grade 6 and by the time i went to berkeley i was uh, working as a graduate assistant in the music technology labs so wherein i was supposed to guide the students in terms of navigating the different digital audio workstations the use the different shortcuts you need to use and sometimes when people slip up in using the equipment or in terms of music theory so uh, my job was supposed to go, our job i wasn't the only in music with the grad grad assistant over there our job was supposed to be to guide them in terms of and most of them were by the way students as much as i was so uh, and after my tenure at berkeley ended i soon went to fortados wherein thanks to the significant experience i gained over there i began to work there as an academic mentor which meant that i used to hold one on one sessions with teachers and students to you know as a qualitative assessor in terms of where they particularly stand what the strengths are what the weaknesses are and then match them to the relevant grade students and you know based on the capabilities and their progresses on whatever instrument they play so my journey with fortados went on for a couple of years and then i ventured wholly into you know film production for a couple of years till the pandemic ended sorry yeah till the pandemic ended and do do from 2021 onwards i began teaching in an online mode again piano music theory and production production on the other hand this is a bit of a nas because sometimes children may be tech savvy or may not be tech savvy and it is same applies to adults too so you need to you know demonstrate ourselves using a free app which you download from the you know android google play store and we just use a maybe a band lab or an fl studio free version the one with the limited features but even they work as well from a classroom point of scenario so uh, i use them and also encourage students to brush up on the music theory where because that's where the oral skills also eventually come into the picture so uh, 
eventually people start correlating things on their own. So instead of me spoon feeding things to them one thing at a time, they already want to go right ahead on their own and becomes very, very easier, which is exactly what I want for my students to take the initiative so that they are very clear headed as to where they want to be in terms of a professional perspective in the musical careers. And I'm pretty, I'm very happy to you know, note that they are, some of them are really shining, you know, taking their own initiatives and not just at piano, but also at music theory. Yeah. They're doing very, very well at the last time. I inquired about my students. Yeah, that's wonderful. Also, yeah, with teaching, just um, definitely, if you see students like learning and being happy and everything, definitely brings a smile to your face and everything. And definitely, yeah, just being um, for students who inspire you and, well, yeah, inspire you, you inspire them and stuff. So. Exactly. They inspire me too. Exactly. The unbridled joy and enthusiasm, right? That's something which we need to retain till the end of our lives as musicians. Without enthusiasm, hmm, the going becomes very tough in my opinion. I think you'd agree too. Yeah. Um, also, just um, with educators, um, what can we do better? Like, like there's, there's not a lot of normal people. There's people like, like veterans. There's students with autism i'm one of them um individual like low income and stuff um is there any way like we can go around that and stuff yeah so uh i had a couple of students with autism themselves and they too had they were ambidextrous i mean one of them was ambidextrous and the other had absolute pitch as well and they were really, so what do you need to do in terms of people with, you know, who are gifted in their own different ways? So you want to tweak the teaching methods so as to, you know, to keep their attention span because attention span is the, one of the most important criteria for the students to keep themselves held up through the entire class because you don't want to make the class feel like a class, but something which is much more hands-on in nature. So you take a song, which the student might like, and you tweak it so that the student comes up with their own rendition of it. And then you break down what the student has done, and then you ask them, can you replicate it for another different song? And then the wheels start churning, and they immediately start correlating, and eventually the notion of quarter notes, half notes, and what and all those different concepts of note values, and the different notes themselves start forming into mind. But the broader picture you mentioned was how to make them accessible to different sets of, of society, like the people who are, you know, autistic or veterans and all that. I would say, you know, sometimes we need to reach out ourselves to people, inquire, maybe through online polls or maybe going to them in person. Sometimes both works. I think the personal touch works, of course, but sometimes, you know, on account of certain constraints, you might need to reach out to them via online methods. And uh, you might also need to be prepared to not to work without accepting any pay. Once you get through that barrier, the barrier of selflessness, then I think the real difference starts to manifest itself. 
That's number one. Number two would be choosing the right teaching method in order to cater to the particular student. Now, we are talking about extraordinary people over here. So the conventional methods may or may not work, right? So like I said, like I said, you want to take their favorite songs and you know, try and build up, build up and break them down. I would ask them to make up like for example, there was a particular student who had no notion about uh, note values and stuff or, or even basic chords. But by the end of the half an hour session, he was playing, you know, this particular song by Bill Withers. Sometimes in my life, lean on me, yeah, lean on me is the song. By the end oh, of this, um, yeah, yeah, he actually started playing that song, the entire chords. It's actually pretty easy to play. C, C, D, F, G, C, D, E, F, F, E, G, C. So, students, you want to tell, explain chords in a very fun, fun manner. For instance, take the five fingers, one, two, three, four, five. Play one, three, five, the come on the C. Now play one, C, one, three, five. They play C, E, G, five, four, three, two, one. G, F, E, D, C. Now play one, three, five together at the same time. That you got a C major chord. That's how they get the notion of chords over there. And then eventually you, they learn about inversions and whatnot. And then they, I ask them to move the inversions from one position to the other, and then that's how this particular student got the Lean On Me song within half an hour without not having taken any formal lessons. So uh, it's all about finding the right approach to the students. And above all, you want to keep the student's attention span arrested throughout the lesson. When the student loses the attention span, that's when you know, as a teacher, you might have lost. That's wonderful. That's a wonderful uh, method and stuff. Um, I do agree with like using the song and stuff because yeah, you, you grew up your whole life like, especially like if you're in a car and um, the radio's on when you're a little baby, you consume that music and stuff. So one of the main things with um, yeah, like you were saying, just play a song and stuff, like include a song in that you know when you're first developing yourself and like when you're um like a little like i've heard like when you're a little baby and stuff you can't even see but you can hear first so music is basically the main thing of your life you can hear it any anywhere and just using a song that you know it will definitely help the students out especially people that think differently like autism, it's not, I'm not saying like your yeah, autism is not really, it is a disorder, but it's like, you, you think differently. It's a, it's a different way of thinking and stuff. Yes. Right. And I don't think that is necessarily a kind of a disorder. It, I just think of it as, you know, as if some people are more orderly than the rest of us. And that makes me want to respect them even more. So it's not really a disorder per se, in my opinion. They are blessed, in my opinion. Yep. So let's go to um, the other videos about yourself. So would you like to talk a little bit about that? The other videos? Yeah. I was, uh, you want to talk a little bit about, um, about the video? 
Oh, the as you just one, right? Yeah, the one, um, the one about yourself. Uh, oh, the couple of videos which I okay, fine. Oh, that one. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, I did mention one video about my, you know, about, about my bio data, and the other one about my uh, my work and my, you know, my basically it was about my excerpts about my work, right? So I think it's pretty much covered in the earlier stages, but nevertheless. What happened during my work stages was, you know, let me give an example about uh, what the music industry might, might, you know, might expect from you in terms of your uh, expertise and how sometimes volatile it can get. So there's a particular piece of mine called Blood Rush. I think I mentioned about it in my video, right? So. Uh, that was initially composed for a movie called Sarandar Simhariti because this movie was an epic movie and it had lots of action, lots of thrills. And the director asked us to come up with a hardcore epic version of the theme, which is entire, it's just purely orchestral, by the way. And so this was done in a day entirely again, in and from the right from the composition, the programming, and the mastering stage, it was done in a day. So, uh, and we submitted it to the director. He was thrilled. But then suddenly what happened was the song actually got rejected mm. because the director had changed his mind at the last moment and he had heard a reference which somehow seemed to fit into the frame even better, according to him, than the piece which had come up with, Blood Rush. And the particular piece happened to be in an entirely different musical zone over there. So uh, eventually what happened was my supervisor, so my music supervisor was there with me, he suggested that we use this particular theme for another movie, which also had themes of both epic instruments over there, not epic instruments, whose theme was of an epic nature, reincarnation. So uh, naturally there was going to be lots of bombastic music, so let's try and use this theme over there. And somehow at that particular moment, I knew it was not going to work because this movie was actually a comedy movie. Whereas I had composed a particular theme, keeping a very serious and dark action movie in mind. How was this going to work over there? But nevertheless, they are my seniors. You have got to listen to them. And I went ahead and did a few tweaks and then submitted over there. Then the feedback came. The director was very, very, very disappointed in that work, which I submitted over there. Disappointed. And I wasn't surprised because it was obviously not appropriate for the particular movie, but still, it kind of, it's never a good feeling to hear such discouraging feedback when you have put, immersed yourself, your entire heart and soul into making this particular piece. But somehow I realized, hmm, it might have got its own day. So I kept that particular piece at the back burner. And this was all in 2019, by the way. So for four years, it remained in the back burner until February 2023, I decided why not release it independently on my own. So I decided to remix, add a couple of extra tracks to Blood Rush and remaster it once again using a, a different enhanced mastering chain of my own. And I released it and streamed it and decided, why not submit to one of these reputed awards 
ceremony. So my eyes fell upon the Hollywood Independent Music Awards because I've already been nominated the previous year before. So I thought, why not apply for this year too? So I applied. And six months later, I find out that Blood Rush has been nominated under the Best Instrumental Category. Awesome. And this this particular piece, I'm really proud of it because right from the compositional stage to the masking stage, I had done it single-handedly on my own using samples, using my own mastering chain. So forgive me if I'm bragging over here, but doing things on your own, because of course there's nothing like having a real orchestra playing. The the high, the the goosebumps that you feel when the real orchestra is playing is entirely something else. But sometimes you have to choose other alternatives, right, in order to make certain things happen. So I'm really proud that my music programming skills, I I was able to improve them to a certain extent, make them, you know, make my orchestral sampling skills sound a bit more larger than life than I really had hoped for. And I'm actually glad it culminated in it being nominated. Now, whether I will win or not, only time will tell and only the jury will be able to give a decision upon that. But all in all, being nominated to, it's a good sign that your skills, with your skill set and with your efforts, you are headed in the right direction. So that's the story about blood trash. There's lots of disappointments you might encounter, but the key is to, you know, use those disappointments to your advantage. You might not, some of the, some of us might get it right away. Some of us might struggle with that notion. And I was the one who, I was among the ones who had struggled with that particular notion. Because it takes lots of practice and lots of mental preparation. But eventually, you do get that. And once you get that, Navigating the music industry is going to be a piece of cake. Yeah, you're not the only one that um, gets crashed and burned sometimes. Everybody will probably say the same thing about their own things and stuff. Like, you know, nobody's perfect or anything like that. There's going to be some ups and downs and stuff. But yeah, yeah, just getting nominated, that's, that's a huge accomplishment and everything. So you just get in that and like, that's, there's no need, there's no bragging at this point. Like you've worked this hard to get there and stuff. So it's like, it's, you should be confident about talking about like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> it's just, it's a big thing and stuff. Getting nominated and getting awards from it, just, it definitely helps you out. And yeah, there's no, um, there's not, there's not a lot of, um, like nothing's all good or anything like that. There's going to be some errors or bad things and stuff, but you just gotta gotta change it to positive, and you learn from that. That's Precisely. that's called learning and and fixing it, and then boom, you still got exactly. nominated. Yeah. <laughs> so doesn't matter at this point. So hardly. Yeah, so let's go to let's go to the video. Um, hopefully y'all enjoy.
We are back. Um, what interests me about this video is that um, with doing orchestrations, just um, it, have, it adds the feeling of um, the movie or the show or the the comedy show. Make it even funnier. Make it even sadder. Make it even more loving. Make just all that. So, Absolutely. what are some of your dream artists to work with? Um, who? Um, who are some of your dream artists that you would like to work with? Um, for some reason, Prince somehow brings to my mind at this particular moment. I mean, I was going to say, you know, sometimes ARM might have said a particular thing, and maybe, you know, there's a thing called Lucky Ali right here. But sometimes, but at this particular moment, Prince comes to my mind. The reason being, I think he was way ahead of even today's times in terms of his understanding of music. Like take, for example, when doves crack. The lack of any bass in that particular song still bamboozles me to this very day. The only low frequency sounds in that particular song came from the kick drum. And yet the entirety of the song, it just transports you to some kind of otherworldly aura. It's full of pep and zest. And yet somehow keeps, keeps you know, ethereally floated or some, something, so to say. It's just, you know, hard to describe in words the kind of aura this song really creates. But it's not just when doves cry. Could be, you know, let's go crazy, the bad dance, you know, in the 1989 bad, Batman movie, which Prince composed. That guy was way ahead of today's times. In fact, you know, when I listened to Daft Punk's music, I found lots of Prince in, Prince's influences in Daft Punk's music over there. So, of course, people like me, we look up to Daft Punk and we look up to Prince, and uh, I would really love to have a piece of their mind, of the brilliant minds, as to what inspires them to, you know, say, for example, like, take away the bass from that particular song, or, you know, maybe add that particular thing over there, and why, why that particular song composed in this particular scale. There's so many fascinating things to ask them, you know, every nuances and all the minor details. I think they would be really, <laughs> maybe they might be, you know, bugged off by the end of it. So, uh, but you know what? They did, a, they did wonders for the field of music. I mean, they created stuff in a way that was not altogether, that was, you know, that was new, but it did not sound, but it was new, but still it was, you know, still considered mainstream. That's, that's not an easy thing to achieve, in my opinion, you know, because usually people classify something which sounds new as alternative for some unfair reason, which I really do not agree with. But there are some things which are really, you know, when you listen to it, it sounds new, which is unheard of in terms of the context of instruments, the combination and the arrangements or whatever, and yet it somehow managed to sound entirely mainstream. Prince was one of those absolutely talented artists. And, you know, the kind of brain which went to, through his mind while conceiving the songs, most of them in very short durations, 
how he managed to pick up, pick them all up within such short durations, and how his processes and all that. Much has been written, but still, I would love to, you know, have a piece of his mind about that. Yeah, Prince is an absolute legend, no question. But yeah, he, um, I've researched about him. Actually, I watched a video last night and Purple Rain was one of like the best albums with like all of the, like, yeah, when Doves Absolutely. Cry, Let's Go Crazy. Yes. Purple Rain, there's a movie called Purple Rain. Yeah, the same movie. And stuff. Yeah. And I've researched, like, he plays everything. He plays piano, plays bass, guitar, vocals, drums, everything. Like, just, he was super ahead of his time and Very nice. just, yeah. Um, actually, my my aunt, he got, she got me into Prince and, yeah, just an absolute, complete legend and stuff. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's awesome. Love, love me some Prince. Um, so what are some parting words you would like to leave our listeners with? Nothing much flashy because we all have had our own experience in life. But what I would like to say is whatever you do, don't do it just for your own sake. Whatever you do, keep your family in mind because at the end of the day, family is what matters to you the most. And then comes your dreams. And if you're able to use your dreams in order to do good for your family, there's no greater happiness than that. But sometimes the, the people who, you know, forego their dreams for the family, they are the people who are actually respected. Because sometimes people turn them as losers. But you know what? They are far from that. They are among the bravest souls who have chosen to put their families instead of their own selfish sakes for the people, for the others, for the families, respectively. All in all, keep your families in mind, whatever you do, and life is going to be enriching and rewarding for you. I love it. That's um, wonderful words from great, um, great person, great instrumentalist, great musician, great movie composer does it all you do it all <laughs> so thank you so much Cecil for um being part of this interview today thank you for um being interviewed and everything and talk about your life your music um the movies and everything you're very inspiring to everyone all of your students everyone our viewers and everything um incredible musician and Hope you keep on doing great things and please keep up your keep up the good work and everything. And um yeah, that'll be all for our video. If you'd like to check our lessons, go to www.louitheater.louitheatercompany.org and we'll see you guys next time.